Blessings, 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 warrior. Welcome to Warriors of Light Show, our living library of consciousness. I am your host, Joy Mohemi, an oracle and ascension guide for genetic path patterns. This masterclass show is created as a portal of accessing and archiving spiritual wisdom, philosophies, and technologies for spiritually awakening, inspired, and practicing individuals who seek to expand their spiritual path, heal their genetic miasmas, and elevate their consciousness within indigenous medicine and cosmic wisdom. So take a seat, beloved warrior, and join me as I curate solo transmissions and conversations with fellow irregular, shamanic, medicine, and healing. Okay, so we are live. Awesome. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome to Warriors of Light Show. I am excited because today is an amazing, exciting episode that we are having with Wanga Hanyani. We are talking embracing the power of your womb and holistic healing practices. I think most of the women will be really excited about this, but of course, this is also for for the men as well, it's always important, you know, to learn what's happening with, you know, with the women and what's, yeah, the women, because we're in relationships with the women. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to have an amazing conversation. Are you here, Wanga? I am. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Hmm. I'm not seeing your 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 image. Um, yes, there we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I was okay. letting you do your thing first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You so welcome. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really excited. I really am. <laughs> yeah. And I'm one of those people where if I'm looking forward to something the next day I don't sleep very much so I'll sleep after this I was I dream about these things even before I get there because I'm so it's like I've gone ahead already <laughs> wow so what did you dream about today I just dreamt this like I was just sitting there and we're just conversating and all of that. I don't know if it was even dream or meditation but it was definitely something <laughs> wow that is so, exciting. I'm excited. I'm Let's see if we can recreate your dream. Yes. <sighs> okay, so we have such a powerful topic, embracing the power of the womb, you know. Uh, earlier, I was thinking about the womb in general and how growing up, for most of us, like women, we were not even aware of what we're going to talk about, that there is something more to the womb, you know. We mm. either perceived it as the entryway for us into this planet. When we're born, we're born from the birth canal and the womb is part of that, or our menstrual cycle, which I don't know your experience, but for me, I was very, like, detached from that experience. I was like, I don't want to engage. Like, can it just move, pass through very quickly? And, you know, it was just, 
yeah, almost like this part of the body that is bothersome once a couple of weeks, you know, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I'm detached again. But I've since come to know the womb in in like a more deeper way. And it's it's really powerful what I'm got like what I now understand the womb to be. But you yeah. do this work as a womb healer and you know so much more. So let's start at the yeah, the beginning of what the womb is really and what's really happening there in the womb from your perspective. Yeah. Okay, well, firstly, my experience was also help <laughs> when it came to womb issues. And that's, you know, what led me to this um, with all my experiences as well. Um, with the womb, I think that the most simplest um, explanation we can have or the, the, the first thing right off the bat, obviously it's, you know, the birthplace of humanity, if you will, right? Um, mm. We all come from there, you know, whether we came through the tummy or through a natural birth, we all still started off in the womb. And if we go deeper, it's, you know, the place that brings the unseen into the scene. It's the place that materializes what is, you know, manifesting in the spirit to bring it into the physical, right? Um mm-hmm. It's the energy center for all, all of us. It's the sacral center, sacral energy, but it also is the f- source of our feminine energy. Despite how we may want to um, a- acknowledge or identify um, with our sexuality, the womb is still the source of your feminine energy. And then it's also a portal. Like I said, you know, it materializes what is manifesting in the spirit into the physical. So it's, you know, it's the portal between the spirit world and the physical world. Um, It's also the source of creativity, not just in childbearing, but especially as women, it's our source of creativity. If you are not okay with your womb, if you're detached, um, if there's trauma in your womb, it will affect creativity in other way, in many other ways, and not just fertility-wise. It's a source of um, sensuality, our sexuality. It's a source of safety as well, because that's our very first physical understanding of safety as human beings. We're in this place where we're provided for, we're taken care of, we're protected from, you know, whatever may be on the outside. And when there is trauma in that experience, it will, um, you will experience, or it will play out in life when you are in places of unsafety, um, especially for women, if there is um, a feeling of unsafety or, yeah, a feeling of, you know, a lack of safety in whether it's in relationships or sexual abuse of some sort, it will affect the womb at the end of the day, whether it comes as irregular periods or fibroids or miscarriages, it can affect that in many different ways. But um, this, well, this is why one of the things that we need to learn how to understand the power of our womb, what it represents, but as well start to connect so we can heal whatever disconnection there has been um, with our womb health. Mm, To thrive. (laughs) To thrive. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. I love that so much. Um, My entry to the awareness of like trauma in the womb, um, 
it was through a question, one of my friends who's also a womb healer, um, she was just asking us to share about our first experience, our first menstrual, menstrual experience. Mm. And um, it was when I was sharing that experience because it happened when I was at my, at what, at my grandmother's house. And for some reason, I was not able to communicate to my grandmother that I just experienced my first period. So I literally figured out everything by myself. You know, mm. and it was only when I was sharing the story when I realized, oh my God, that was actually really painful for me that I felt like I didn't feel safe to share. Or I had to figure everything out by myself, you know, find the the materials I needed to move through that, you know. And mm. and it was interesting for me to realize like that I had that experience particularly. Because as a first daughter, you know, was what first daughters are like in Africa, you're like the second mother. <laughs> so it's automatic as if like, oh, you should know this or you should handle this by yourself. And I realized, mm-hmm. oh, this experience was also informed by these other energies and emotions and responsibilities that I have identified myself with, you know. Yeah. And that's when I realized, oh, so I must be caring so much or my relationship with my womb or the experiences of my womb are not just like random, like, you know, there is deeper emotions undercutting these experiences, you know. So mm-hmm. let's jump into like the energies that we do carry in the womb, uh, particularly as women that are both, of course, you know, where the source of our power as well as like where we are holding trauma and pain. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing that we have to acknowledge is that we have lost a lot. Um, And I said this in another podcast that I was recently, is that in the in the bid to become progressive cultures um, or, you know, politically correct in a way, we have lost so much of culture that young Mm -hmm. women and girls are entering puberty and going into, you know, their fertility ages completely, completely unaware and unprepared for their sexual health, their reproductive health, and just womb health in general, right? Um, One thing that I'm very, very um, passionate about in terms of bringing back is rites of passage. I will Mm -hmm. speak um, particularly for my culture, what I know used to happen, a lot of this is fading as well. Um, again, trying to be progressive that we're losing certain things that I think it's quite sad. Um, but rites of passage were a very important aspect in terms of raising a girl child. Boys also had their rites of passage, but girls also had their own particular one. And with girls, it started with pre, pre-puberty, right? Young girls would go um, before, you know, parents, mothers, grandmothers say, okay, well, she's approaching puberty, we need to prepare her. Because when a, when a young girl starts a first period, she's entered a new relationship with nature. Nature has acknowledged her essentially as the one who will perpetuate life on this earth. And you have to honor that and you have to understand that responsibility. Whether you under whether you want to have children or not, whether you can have children or not, maybe there is still something wrong that maybe you are having you are going to have fertility issues, but still entering into your menstruation um, is still a new understanding with nature. You know, you have been honored and say appointed in a way that we are trusting you to 
be fruitful, right? Um, mm, and so with that. that first rites of passage is that the, the women, there was particularly wise women um, or, you know, the matriarchs of cultures in our societies. Those are the women that would sit the young girls down explain to them what's about to happen, help them understand the changes that will happen in their body, and also help them to understand that if you don't see this by this time, if you don't get this by this time, or if you start to see these problems, come to us so that we can help you um, heal those. So young girls were going prepared to understand, okay, what should my period look like? Um, how should it come? How heavy should it come? How light should it come? How often should it come? Um, when am I ovulating? Am I ovulating? Am I ovulating according to the moon phases? Because as well, a lot in, in our indigenous cultures, they, use, they really were in touch with nature. It wasn't just about a calendar day. It was about you know, looking at the moon, the phases of the moon, because our menstrual cycles are tied to the phases of the, womb, to the, to the, of the moon, right? So for example, um, girls who would have their periods at the new moon versus the, 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 the full moon knew that they needed to work a little bit more when it comes to fertility and regulating their ovulation because light is what brings things life, right? Light brings life. And so if you are ovulating at a time of darkness, which would be at the full moon, then and you're having your period which would be two weeks later um, if you're having sorry if you're having your ovulation at the new moon which is in the time of darkness you will have your period at the full moon which is the time of light so your ovulation is having is happening in the time of darkness so how do we expose her to more light how do we help her with herbal medicine how do we help her be in the best possible um issues so that she doesn't have to face fertility issues, not to say anyone who's having their period um, at, at the new moon is going to be infertile. That's not it. But we just know that women who ovulate at the full moon, when they have, they have maximum light exposure, lunar exposure, have higher fertility rates because they were exposed to light, just like when we plant seeds. We plant them Farmers would plant them just before the new moon because they want as much sun, as much moonlight as possible um, in those few nights to help germinate the seed. And that's the same. So that was one of the rites of passage at the beginning of puberty. And when she's a young maiden, she'd also go a new, through a new rite of passage, how to be a maiden, basically. How, you know, you're going to have suitors, um, how to carry yourself as a woman, how to understand. This is where the thing of waist beads came in because now you need to know how to move your waist but also weight management but to awaken her sensuality as well it's not just about you know yes we're doing waist beads again and they're trending but there was more to that than just being woke <laughs> if you will um so there was also that rite of passage and then there was a rite of passage before she gets married what to expect what to go and do in marriage what to look for because they're also expecting that when that man comes, he's also been through the rites of passage. And when she's not being met, where her needs are not being met, not just sexually, but, you know, financially or whatever it is, farming, whatever it is, she's able to go and say, he was not advised, right? <laughs> he sought this out, right? There are things mm -hmm. that a man was just supposed to do and there are things that she was expected to do. And then there's still a rite of passage when it comes to having children and postpartum as well. Now you can see that they were being prepared for every single phase 
of their womanhood. You don't go in blindsided. You don't go in and be like, I don't know what's going on. And you hate the experience because you haven't understood what's going on. But what would happen when we start educating young girls from a young age, and then we go through these stages, then you're empowering women, right? They get to know what's going on and everything and, and how to handle each phase of their life. So one of the first things that is sad is that we have lost that or we're losing that very fast. You know, um, even me, when I first had my period, I was very shy <laughs> to tell my mom. And it happened when I was in boarding school. But I was, because I was panicking, um, I had to call her and tell her because I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know where to start. If I was at home, maybe, but I was now far away in a different country in high school. What was I going to do? Mm. So there's that. <laughs> I wanted to highlight that the first thing. The second <laughs> thing is... Um, Okay, remind me what you said so that I don't go off topic. <laughs> no, we are on topic. Yes, we are on topic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So from there, it's now understanding our womb health. What are the things that can detach us from womb health, from from a healthy womb, or understanding or knowing that something is not right with your womb? Let's start with um. The, the, the traumas, let's start with traumas. Firstly, when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, I was there as well. Because when her, when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, her eggs were also forming and I was there, my genetic coding was already present as in my mother as an egg. So the traumas, the experiences of my grandmother will resonate and vibrate down to me. And this is why they say, when you heal yourself, you're healing the woman who came before you and you're healing those who come after you. And this is so important. It's not just about, you know, well, oh, when I have a child, I'm gonna teach her these manners. No, but if you're coming with that generational trauma, you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to heal that. A good example of this is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, if there's a history of diabetes in the family, as the generations progress, it will show up in the young girls as polycystic ovarian syndrome. If there is metabolic disease, it will also show up as polycystic ovarian syndrome in young girls, right? Um, mm. If there is a history of abuse, sexual abuse in particular in, um, in the generations past, this will show up as mostly infertility or a lack of ovulation because it has the womb carries memory. Not just your womb, but the womb of your mother carried memory as well. And her mother carried memory. And if you don't heal that, it shows up in you because at the end of the day, the womb says the last time it was not safe. And I'm not going to bring another child into this world to suffer through the same thing. So it ends here. As mm. uncomfortable as symptoms may be in your body, at the end of the day, your body is just trying to do the best for you. And even though it may be painful and comfortable, <laughs> it is trying to do the best thing for you. And obviously you want to have kids, but if there's trauma, your body says, this is not the best thing that's going to happen, right? You'll also see this in women who had um, abusive relationships or went into a marriage they know they shouldn't have had gone into. You'll find that um, sometimes their period will go off. It will start being irregular, et cetera, because the body's like, we warned you, we don't want to be here. This is not a safe person that we want to recreate with. And so 
in a, in a way that looks like it's self-sabotaging, it is actually self-protective um, to not perpetuate certain behaviors that are harmful at the large scale of, of society. So those are some of the things that we can look at. Um, and then obviously, if you're having pain, irregular periods, etc. That's obviously a womb thing that you need to look at. So you need to understand, is it a hormonal thing? Is it a stress thing? Is it an environmental thing? Is it a medication thing? There's so many causes um, to irregular periods. It's not just going to be one clear cut thing. And this is where when we go into the medical system, um, it's the idea is lost. This is why I'm very particular about holistic healing, because if you come to me and you say, I haven't seen my period for three months, if I go to the hospital and I say I haven't seen my period in three months, they're likely to put me on the pill mm. and I will get my period. But if you've ever been on the contraceptive pill, what you were having was not a period that was a that was a bleed, a withdrawal bleed. So if you're on hormonal contraceptives, if you're getting a period, it's actually not a period. It's a hormonal bleed from estrogen withdrawal. I can get into that a little bit later. Um, but if you come to me from a holistic healing point and say, I haven't had my period in three months, I wanna know your history. I wanna know everything that's been going on. What happened at three, three months ago that happened? Or was it, did you have a miscarriage last year at that time? right? Because the womb carries trauma. It carries emotion. It carries experiences. I want to know what is it that you're eating? What is it that you're afraid of? What is it that, you know, you are experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis? Is it work? Is it, I want to know everything so that when I'm healing you, or when I'm helping you heal, I'm taking into account all the possible triggers in the context of you. So two people can come with the same problem, but healing and treatment of that is going to look very different mm. so that's another thing um if you've had miscarriages abortions or even lost a child that was already born maybe at age four or five six that is still trauma to your womb because you're connected to this child i can't tell you how many times i've been extremely stressed or really sick without telling my mom and she will call me and say hey are you okay? <laughs> because she's she's very in tune with that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so even if, if any loss that you've experienced when it comes to um, childbearing, that is trauma to the womb. I had three miscarriages about five, six years ago. And even now, sometimes the month that I had the miscarriage, my period has not been the same as the other months because the womb carries trauma. It carries the memory. And so if you find that you have a pattern to the way your period is manifesting, if there are months that are off, if there are times where it's just not, you know, something is going on, but you're realizing there's a pattern, go back and see what is it that happened at that time. Maybe it was actually the trauma. Your mother had a traumatic birth experience with you. And so you entered the world with a lot of turmoil, maybe from your mother's experience. If your mother died when she was giving birth to you, that is trauma that goes through to you that you need to deal with, right? So those are some of the things. Um, and then <laughs> we are in a phase where we are... Um, not celebrating, but making light of this thing, Jolo, right? <laughs> jolo, Jolo, and, and, and we're making light of it. 
but there is so much deep-rooted trauma that things like that come out from. There is so much pain psychologically that come out from those types of situations. And not just pain psychologically, but it can manifest in your physicality as well and your womb in particular. Like for the example of vaginismus. Vaginismus is literally when it closes up because it does not want penetration. And that can be from just being cheated on. That can be from being physically abused in a relationship. That can be from not just feeling safe sexually with this person right but we're mm. you know we're we're making light of this thing and i'm not i'm you know live your best life whatever but <laughs> don't make light of of such a sacred point of your existence which is your womb it is mm. a sacred portal to so much and you have to be so particular about who you're tying the energy to who you're binding with because you carry that energy you bring that energy with you as well, wherever you go. And then you don't know why, you know, things are the way they are, but you have collected a whole lot of, you know, negative energy and it's sitting in your womb, right? Um, and mm. that's so, so important. Live your life, do whatever it is, but be so, so careful and be, you know, be a little bit jealous, guard your womb jealously <laughs> because you, it, it has to be guarded jealously. Mm, yeah. Ooh, I love this. <laughs> I love everything you're sharing. Um, you know, I think if there's anyone who's hearing this for the first time, I, I would understand that because we are not really told, like, when you're talking about the rise of passage, I, I was just feeling a little sad because I'm like, I wish we experienced that. Now we have this, for most of us, we are we are retrieving the experiences, but because we've already went through the different stages of our womanhood, we can't really do much about it. But of course, moving forward, we can do something, you know? Um, mm. That's the idea. But yeah, yeah, I felt a little sad, like, oh, yeah, I wish I had experienced that. I wish I went through all the rites of passages with my womanhood. Mm. And, um, but it's interesting because this loss of memory, it's also partly connected to this pattern that I do find, particularly with Black women or African women, because of our history, you know, because of mm. the the colonization, the slavery, the war that has happened where we got disconnected first from our lands and uh, these rites of passages, our rituals, our customs, that pain of being disconnected from the, the, the source of our identity or the station of our identity, it's also carried in the womb. You oh, know? yes. Uh, yeah. And I think, I believe and I've seen that that's, that's part of why it seems like this generation, the, the Black women generation, the young women, we have a lot of issues with our wounds. Or, yeah, when I'm in conversations with my clients, when I'm in conversations with friends, I always find that we all have something happening in the womb, you know. Mm, uh, it's mm. just different with each person in alignment with the trauma. But there is a specific frequency, particularly with Black women and our womb and the pains that are manifesting, the, the disease that are manifesting there, that mm. 
are also very ancestral that are connected to these bigger conversations of what happened to us what are the war timelines as you're speaking i remember like um i am not particularly a womb healer but i do womb work because it's literally impossible to do any healing with a woman without the womb. But what used to happen in the beginning of like me getting trained by spirit was every time I have like a new client who has some womb energy, I will have these powerful dreams that I knew were memories. You know, I remember I would literally feel like I just walked into the 16th century and I'm literally in the war and I'm like, what is happening here? And the women are sitting and saying, we're showing you what has happened to our daughter, like what she's carrying, you know? And I was like, it's that whole energy is alive in the womb, you know? And um, of course, having that knowledge really helps us to, to know where to begin, to understand why we have particular experiences, why even as siblings, for example, one person may have irregular periods and the other doesn't have why this person mm. has this particular, you know, because we are carrying the different frequencies of our bloodline, but also the soul energy as well. Right. Mm. So yeah, I love this conversation so much. Um, another point that you mentioned, um, it's, yes, we, we see the energy of, our mother wounds, the wounds that our mothers have, our grandmothers have coming through. Most mm-hmm. women, when we do like shamanic womb healing and I ask them go to the first memory of, um, of pain, it, some go all the way back to the moment when they were alive in their mother's womb, like the, mm-hmm. that nine months when they were in their mm-hmm. mother's womb. So that's mm-hmm. how powerful it is like this mother wound, how alive it is. I don't yeah. have a question, just thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, to add to that, I mean, we can we can we can't deny the trauma of history and how particularly black women have been on the short end of every deal. Right? We can't deny that. But even if we look now, we can't also deny the narratives that we're allowing to be about us. If we look at, um, you know, in Bogoto, how then do we associate with healing, with gracefulness, with sensuality, if we're being called in Bogoto, if we're being, if we're allowing people to say we are stones, we're not. (laughs) Yes, I understand the sentiment of saying we're strong and resilient, Mm. but we've got to we've got to deanimate it if I can say is that the word (laughs) we've got to take it away from being an inanimate object to say this is still a human being call me strong Mm. call me resilient but don't liken me to a rock because you're 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 dismissing my emotion you're dismissing my gracefulness you're dismissing my creativity you're just you're dis you're 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 muting my sound you're saying if I hit a rock there's just a dull sound. There's no, there's no scream. <laughs> so you're saying basically you can come for me and I must just take it. And it may seem, you know, it's great to say this. It's, it's you know, it rouses the crowds up, but at the end of it, you are speaking it into existence because words carry everything. Words create. And if you go through life saying, I am a stone, 
then don't be surprised when people come and just kick you around, throw you around, push you over, push you away, blast you, <laughs> do whatever it is because you have conditioned yourself and you've conditioned your womb to just take it. So those are things that we also have to start re looking at and, and re, you know, defining to say we are, yes, we are strong, we are resilient, but it must not come at the cost of our gracefulness, of our sensuality, of our sexuality, of our beauty and of our poise. It must not, we, we can't, we shouldn't trade it off to just be this way because for example, again, I always give the example of PCOS. One of the things that you'll also see with polycystic ovarian syndrome is that there was a lot of verbal abuse, especially in you are ugly, you, are, you look like a boy, or you have boy tendencies. Those things reverberate. And those are ones that what, the typical um, backgrounds of women who have had uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome is that those were some of the things that they heard growing up or some mm. of the things that were said to them. And so therefore the body says, no, we're not ovulating because this obviously this was said, so there's something wrong. So I'm not going to perpetuate this and I'm not going to carry this down. So we're stopping it here. Mm. So yeah. we need to wow. <laughs> we need to we need to redefine what what womanhood what womanhood is and what a strong woman is without making us inanimate. I'm not sure if I'm mm. using that word. <laughs> um, no, without, but I, I get it. I without, understand. Yeah, don't dehumanize <laughs> us to call us strong. If I will, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about um, the part of holistic healing, if you will. Unless you've got a question or a comment before I continue. Yeah, no, I was actually going to say that, like, lead to that, because I'll say that's the, where most of us have to begin, like with the inanimate, we have to begin with connecting more deeply with our emotions, the emotions that are carried by the womb, right, and begin to to step into a deeper energetic authority of this is what I will allow, and this is what I will not allow, and process this these experiences that we had in our childhood, the words that were said and release them. But that, the question is, um, how do we actually heal all of these multi-layered experiences? Some of them are emotional. Some of them, like the source are emotional. Some of them are ancestral generational. Some of them are uh, biological, you know, uh, what we inherited biologically at a DNA level and so on, right? Mm. So yeah let's break it down when do we begin with healing and then the different ways that we can do holistic killing yes firstly it's as a woman you've got to understand you've got to believe that within you is the ability to heal just by being having a womb within you is ability to heal not just create but heal as well one of the reasons why I call um, my women like on social media as wise women is I'm literally calling out the wise woman in you. I'm calling out the healer in you to believe in yourself again, because for so long we have outsourced our help. You know, I can go to the doctor and say, hey, this is what's going on. 
And if the doctor says, no, that's just in between your ears, you're just imagining it, um, there's nothing wrong, go home, take a Panadol, you'll be fine. You start to distrust what you're feeling. You start to say, oh, maybe I'm just exaggerating. Maybe I'm just, you know, overdoing it. Or maybe I don't, maybe it didn't really happen. You know, he's right or she's right as a doctor and I'm not, which is completely wrong. This is where self-sabotage starts. When we start to ignore our instincts, when we start to um, distrust our body, because your body on every single moment, every single minute is telling you what is going on. When you start to sweat, obviously the body's saying, hey, the system is overheating. I'm going to cool us down, right? When you are itchy, there's a stimulus there. Check it and maybe something crawling up your arm or something's going on inside. Scratch, right? It's simple things, but at the end of the day, your body is just saying something's wrong. Um, for so long, we have thought that women, the peak of their fertility is in their 20s. No, it's actually around 30s. This is why you will see that most women are having their most fertility issues as they end their 20s, beginning of their 30s, because that is when your actual prime um, fertility window is, right? And the the when you're in your 20s, you're saying, oh, I don't need this. Oh, I've got this problem. But the doctors say not to worry about it. If, it, if it's just a fibroid, if it's not growing, it's okay. Right. And we start to push those priorities away because oh, it's okay. But a fibroid growing in your uterus is your womb saying, hey, have a look at this. Something's not right here. So uncomfortable as it may be having a fibroid. And obviously it's not a nice thing to have, but you growing that is your body saying, hey, actually there's too much estrogen and I'm showing you by growing this thing because with estrogen, estrogen grows things. So, hey, have a look at this, start regulating your hormones. But then if you go to the hospital and you've got a two centimeter fibroid, oh, it's nothing to worry about. If it grows, come back. Or they say, oh, take go on the pill and your period will regulate and you know come back. But hey, if you go on the pill, when you have a fibroid, it will grow and then you'll come back and you have another problem. So as women, we've got to start trusting our instinct. We've got to want better for ourselves. We've got to start demanding better when it comes to our health as well. And it starts with being self-aware. It starts with saying, I need to know my body. How does my body act? How does my body act when it is summertime compared to when it is wintertime compared to when it is springtime how does my body act how is my body how's my menstrual period going from month to month um when you go to the hospital what do they check they check your temperature excuse me your blood pressure sugar all of that those are your vital signs as a woman your menstrual cycle is also a vital sign. This is actually something you should be asked every time you go to the hospital, just like to check your weight, just like to check your blood sugar, all of that as a woman, because it is a vital sign. If you are having irregular periods, if you're having heavy periods, that is something that your body's saying, hey, have a look at this. Now, how, why is it important to have a holistic approach? Because it's one thing, for example, let's use hormonal acne. Hormonal acne, if you're now just, you know, having a breakout over your chin, uh, over your chin or your forehead or your jawline, that's typical hormonal acne. But the problem is actually not the acne, it's the hormones. So your body is saying, I'm going to show you on your face 
what's going on in your body, where you need to look at. Because if I'm having a consultation with someone and she has um, acne on her on her forehead, I know that I need to look at her digestive tract. So I'm going to be interested in what are you eating? Right. And if it's showing up here, then I know that there is if it's showing up on her chin or her chest or her back, then I know that there's hormones involved as well. If it's showing up here on on the bridge, then I know, Okay, let's look at your heart. What's your blood pressure looking? Do you have a blood pressure problem in your family? Um, Is there heart problems in your family? So your body is telling you things all the time. And it's important to first find the root cause, treat the symptom the acne, however you may, creams, all of that, but you've got to treat the root cause because once you treat the root cause, then you are healing the entire pathway of that dis-ease, of the discomfort. So how do you start to understand your body? The easiest thing that I can say is just journal, just journal, start journaling your menstrual cycle. I know we have period apps and all of that, which are great for helping um, you track your cycle, but don't fully rely on a, on a, on a um, period tracking app because um, when it says, for example, oh, you're ovulating at the state, it hasn't tested your hormones, so it doesn't know that you're actually ovulating or not. And then I have so many women say, hey, I'm trying to conceive. I, my app said I was um, ovulating on this day and I'm still not conceiving. Well, it didn't check your hormones. It's just an app. It's an algorithm. It doesn't know you on a day-to-day basis. What I do do for them is that do a basal body temperature check. So every morning, first thing, while you're still in bed, before you get out, just check your temperature and make a note of it. There's a chart that you use and you make a note of it. And on a daily basis, literally your body's telling you, this is where we are at right now. And Checking your temperature is the, the gland that does um, your temperature checks or regulates your temperature is your thyroid, which is here, but your thyroid is directly connected to your womb, not physically, um, but it's connected. If you have thyroid issues, you are going to have womb issues. You're going to have a risk of even hair loss, um, heart problems, fertility issues. Those things are going to happen. Again, adrenal glands as well. Um, if you have ovary, anything anything going on in your ovary, your adrenal glands, your thyroid will be connected, you will be affected. If your thyroid is struggling, your adrenal glands and your ovaries will be affected because it's one system. So if a woman comes to me and says, hey, I'm not having my period, I'm going to send her for thyroid tests. I want to see what your thyroid looks like. I'm going to send her for um, adrenal tests. I want to see what your cortisol, your stress hormone, what does that look like? Because your stress hormone is released by adrenal glands. So I want to see what that looks like. Because if you're having high cortisol, high stress levels, which are releasing a lot of stress hormone, then you're not going to see your period because cortisol and progesterone, which is what happen, which is what is released in the second half of your menstrual cycle, is what helps you bring um, is what helps bring around your period. So if you're low on progesterone, you are going to have either a missing period or a very heavy period or clotting or miscarriages because all the progesterone is being diverted to make cortisol. So you can see why it's important to address it holistically because it doesn't just, it's not just limited to a weird period or an irregular period. It's not just limited to, oh, hey, I have hair loss um, or I'm dealing with 
so much extreme fatigue because all of those are connected. Um, even for example, like hair loss with PCOS, some women will have excessive hair growth with polycystic ovarian syndrome where they have a beard um, or hair loss along the hairline. And this is how I understood that I, there was PCOS in my family. No one was ever diagnosed with it, but by understanding my family history, I realized, oh my goodness, this whole bunch of women had PCOS and they never knew it. They still went on to have children, but as they are, so am I, it gets worse with each generation. So they may have had a few miscarriages and then had kids, but as those kids grow, they may just not be able to have children at all because that genetic um, malfunction is getting worse and worse. It's getting cemented to the third and fourth generation. So this is why it's important to have, to have, to look at your health holistically. Nothing is isolated. Your body is not complicated. It is complex, meaning that one plus one is not equal to two. One plus one can somehow trigger to, and jump to 10. There's so many factors that are involved and you can't just treat one thing and say everything is okay. So firstly, start journaling your menstrual cycle. Understand what your cycle looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. This month, how many cycle days did you have? Did you have a 25-day cycle? Next month, how many did you have a 27-day cycle? Was it 18? When you start to understand your cycle, your cycle will point to you where the problem is. Are you ovulating or not? This, your cycle will tell you because if you're having a, a cycle that is 18 days long, you're not going to ovulate halfway. What you may have ovulated just two days and then you have a period or you may not have ovulated at all. Just because you have a, you know, the regular 28 day cycle that we're all taught in high school doesn't mean that you ovulate at day 14. And whether you are trying to have children or not, you have to ovulate, you have to release the egg. It's like a fruit, a tree that doesn't bear fruit. What happens if you've planted a lemon tree and 10 years later, this thing blooms, but there's no fruit, you're probably going to cut it down or you're going to think, you know, what's wrong with this tree, right? So whether you're trying to have kids or not, you have to ovulate because your menstrual cycle is not about you bleeding. It's about you ovulating. The entire thing is built on you releasing an egg, whether you want to have kids or not. So you've got to first understand that. And I've done um, quite extensively some podcast episodes on that, on how to track your menstruation, how to track your fertility, um, if you're ovulating or not, you know, using the basal body temperature method, um, using checking your cervical mucus, because if you have hormones, your cervical mucus is going to change, your discharge, right? At times you'll see it very um, like egg white texture, like at times you will see it very creamy, like cream cheese type of, all those are normal, none of that is wrong, but when is it happening? If you are mid-cycle and you're not seeing the egg white texture, then you know that, oh, wait, I think I do have a problem with ovulation because this is supposed to happen. Or if you see it later, this is, oh, okay, I don't ovulate at day 14. I ovulate at day 18. Then you're able to say, this is too short. If I'm having a period at day 18 or I'm ovulating at day 18 and my period comes two days later, that's a problem right? Now there's so much technical knowledge, you know, technical words to it, but I'm sure if you go back to the grannies, they'll tell you, oh, if you have your period today, in two weeks, 
you should see your cervical mucus, you should be wet, basically. And two weeks after that, your period is supposed to come. The two weeks that you're wet, that is the time to conceive. They don't have all these, <laughs> all these technical words and what, but they knew the phases. So that's one thing that you do. And the next thing is you've got to learn how to be self-aware. Don't dismiss patterns in how you feel on a month-to-month -month basis. If you find that you get migraines at a certain particular time, like, oh, every first week of the month, I'm having migraines. Um, or if you notice every second week, I'm having, you know, my feet are swelling or my hands are swelling. Um, or, you know, water retention, those are all things. They seem small, but if it is repetitive, you need to keep a note of that because it helps you understand what is going on in your body. Water retention is womb related. It means that you're not regulating your blood pressure well, but also it means that you need to look at your thyroid. You need to look at your adrenal glands. It means that you are in a state of SOS, in a state of hypervigilance, and there is too much stress hormone. If you're having too much stress hormone, you're gonna burn out and your period is gonna throw up, your menstruation is not gonna work well, you're gonna have fertility issues and you're gonna have a whole lot of, a host of womb issues. So you've got to understand, you know, your cycle and what's going on. And then um, stop me if I'm going too far. <laughs> um, and then once you understand what your cycle looks like, once you understand what your, what your pattern is, I'm not saying what the pattern you've read in the book is or what you well, what you understand what your pattern is, then you can start to say, this is what's going on. I, and you can start to look at the relevant information, the relevant, um, start talking to the relevant people. If you need to see an endocrinologist, if you need to see a gynecologist, if you need to see a holistic healer like me, this is where you, because you're armed with information and the more information you have about yourself, the less um, coerced you will be when you visit certain medical institutions and the less um, forced into procedures you'll be because you'll know exactly what you're talking about and you'll be able to tell your doctor, no, I know this is my body, I know what it does and this is what's happening. I need you to look at this. I need you to check this. I need you to test this. This is how you gain your power back when you walk into that. Because as Black women, we actually are, again, at the bottom of um, the totem pole when it comes to medical treatment. We are the ones who are likely to die um, from childbirth by, by, compared to our counterparts. We're the ones who get the most aggressive forms of um, uterine cancers, cervical cancers. We're the ones who get the most aggressive forms of fibroids. We're the ones most likely to have hysterectomies, lose our wombs. We're the ones who are most likely to get iatrogenic diseases, which is you know harmed by the healer, more diseases caused by the person who was trying to heal us. We are those women, so we need to arm ourselves. You need to arm yourself with information. You need to understand your body as a whole so that when you go to those places, you're able to advocate for yourself and you're able to stand up for yourself. And you're also able to know exactly who you need to see um, when it comes to healing. Then from there, if there's, for example, if there is trauma, involved. Trauma, like I said, can be verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. If you have had a miscarriage, if you've had an abortion, all of that, whatever trauma that 
you have experienced an intense experience of trauma, you've got to cleanse your womb. You've got to do womb cleansing um, rituals or ceremonies for yourself. And this can look like doing yoni steams. Um, this can do it, this is part doing womb meditations, womb affirmations, resetting the intention for your womb, releasing the trauma. And you do this simply by um, speaking. <laughs> you speak. One of the things that I find most helpful is you trap the energy by doing this and you put it over your pelvic region in your bikini region and you set your intentions. You do your breathing techniques and you release the trauma. Acknowledge the trauma that you have been. Acknowledge, hey, um, you know, I'm releasing the trauma of the abortion that I had. I'm releasing the trauma of the child that I lost. I'm releasing the trauma of the person who invaded invaded my my sacred energy, my sacred womb, you know, speak, release that, acknowledge it and release that. It's not easy. You may find a whole lot of stuff comes up during that time as well, but it's fine. Let it flow because once you start to let that go, I promise you the next period you have will look very different as well. So those are some of the things that you need to do. Um, yoni steaming is very, very good when it comes to also cleansing, not just on a physical level, but on an emotional and psycho-emotional level. Um, just the, the, the purging of, um, of you know, trauma and the intense muscular tightness that we the womb does when there is tension is released through fumigation, vaginal fumigation, yoni steaming. And there are particular herbs which are really good for that. Um, I actually just shared yesterday with Mplonyane is very good. Postpartum, even Plonyan is very good with steaming when it comes to just cleansing that um, uh, your sacred your sacred area. Um, don't do it when you're on your period. Don't never do any steaming of any sort when you're bleeding, when you're having an active bleed. You can do it just before or just after, but cleanse. Um, also, aloe vera is good with that. Um, and then I had some others, but I don't know. Jasmine is good. <laughs> I had them here just to show you. Jasmine is good. And my handwriting is not that great, but Jasmine is good for that. Roses, Beautiful. love your womb. Rose. Roses, red roses, love your womb. This is one of the things that you can always add to your yoni steams. Those are very important. Then there's motherwort. This is also in the same family as, um, uh, what's this? <laughs> Lost my head. Um, but this is motherwort. It's also bitter. It's a little bit like mflonyane. It has the same, um, with, uh, uh, um, same, uh, <laughs> sorry, same activities as Mflonyane. And then there's ladies mantle. This is one that I think every woman must have. And it grows wide. I'm sure anywhere you've been, you've stepped on ladies mantle um, somewhere. This is one of those. And chamomile. Chamomile, we think that it's just good for us to drink when we go to bed. But chamomile is extremely good for our womb. It's extremely good for also releasing emotional trauma by doing vaginal steaming. It looks weird, but for example, like I gave the example of um, vaginismus where it literally closes up because of sexual trauma. Chamomile is one of those that help somehow re, um, remember, is that the word? <laughs> I think my English is signed off for the day. Um, it helps, <laughs> it, it helps kind of, you know, 
forget the trauma, you know, sometimes you may have gone through a really traumatic experience that your brain just kind of shuts it off and you don't have the memory of it. Chamomile helps to unlock that. It helps to unlock the trauma and helps to release it and recreate a healthy memory of certain experiences, but also fade away those memories, not block them out, but help to let go of um, traumatic experience. So chamomile is really good for that, um, as well as cinnamon, uh, cinnamon. And this is Ceylon cinnamon. So this is true cinnamon. Um, this is crushed, but it, it looks a little different from the regular cinnamon that we use. This is really good when there has been sexual trauma. If you have had sexual trauma, because it is type of, a type of an aphrodisiac as well, if you've experienced sexual trauma, it obviously your sexuality would have been um, affected and you may not enjoy sex as much or you may be traumatized from a sexual experience. Cinnamon is one of those that you can um, yoni steam with um, when it comes to releasing sexual trauma. So those are just some of the herbs. And then there is Shatavari. This is an Indian herb and translates to she who has a hundred husbands. <laughs> and it's just about reawakening the sensuality and sexuality of a woman. Firstly, on a hormonal level, it's a fantastic hormone balancer for women, um, but also for the womb, reawakening the divine goddess in you and your sensuality and re-embracing that. So those are some of the herbs. Shatavari is more, better taken drinking it rather than uh, steaming with it. Um, and we have that in one of our products. I think it's in, in Vitality. It's Vitality for Women. Chitavari is in there. And our Yoni Central also has um, a lot of these herbs in there. So this is part of that holistic healing. So we have acknowledged what you have gone, what you're going through, or what you, the traumas you've gone through. Then from acknowledging, you want to cleanse. Cleansing, like I said, Yoni steaming, but affirmations, um, womb meditations, and um, dealing with those traumas in terms of letting go. Then there is the setting of intentions. It's not just about cleaning the house. It's about rearranging and putting in new furniture when you've cleared the house, right? We don't want to come back to an empty house. So it's about setting a womb intention for yourself. And this can be in the form of um, doing it at a full moon. Um, some will use lunar water, so water that has tapped into the energy of the full moon that you can bath with that water or you can yoni steam with lunar water and this is recreating a, um your 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 uh, uh setting new intentions for your womb um i know this is not everybody <laughs> not for everyone but the womb the moon carries energy and we as women are very connected to the moon the moon's phases you'll find that you are so weepy at some time of the moon whether it's your period or not and some type part of the moon you're so energetic and feeling so creative this is because you are literally tied to the moon the moon and the and water are very much in um very much in touch and one controls the other one runs the other and the same thing with our wounds our children are covered in water and when the moon phases are going even that uh uh the the, the water that our children are covered in the womb um influences our children and influences our pregnancy but even without pregnancy your womb is very much tied to the the moon and doing moon um 
doing your, your cleansing ceremonies when there is a new moon or a full moon is very important. A new moon is really good for setting intentions and a full moon is good for doing releasing um, releasing of um, of energies and traumas, etc. Uh, what else? <laughs> um, also, it's uh, part of the holistic is getting doing um, practices of releasing self sabotage, self sabotaging. Like I said, when we are constantly denied of our experiences, of our observations of our feelings, we start to distrust ourselves. And we have we see this in society. Um, you know, women are told, oh, you're just being dramatic. It's not that bad. Um, GBV is not really there. Women are just overdoing things. Um, in hospitals, oh, she's just being dramatic. It doesn't really hurt. You know, during birth, she's just overdoing it. Birth is not that difficult. All of those things, we are denied of experiences. We're denied of our feelings, our um, observations, our, our of our perceptions. As that happens, you start to distrust yourself. You don't trust that you can um, see something through. And how many times have we done that? Oh, yes, Monday, I'm going to start a diet. <laughs> Monday comes, no diet, <laughs> right? Because we, we, we like, we, you want to do it. And really, I promise you that it's not you. It's not you. It's not that you have a self-discipline issue. It's that you have denied. You've been denied of so many um, trauma. You've been denied of so many experiences historically, even through your parents, even through their lineage, that you no longer trust what is downloaded, what you get insight of spiritually, and even on a, on a physical level, what you receive, you start to doubt. And it's very important for you as a woman to trust your instinct. I find it of no coincidence whatsoever that in the Bible, you know, being a very patriarchal culture, that everything was all about the male, the boy child, all of this, the one time, or the one time, according to my knowledge, as far as I've read it, um, that God is referred to as she is when they're talking about wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is, is, is described as she. It's given a feminine um, energy. And we know that wisdom is God, but this is the only time God is acknowledged in the female form. And I find it of no coincidence that that is because I believe that women are wise. We have that innate wisdom of knowledge, of insight, of healing, of creativity. And it's so important that we get in touch of that. You cannot find wholeness with your womb if you don't trust yourself, because this is where all your creativity is birthed out of. This is where your sensuality, your sexuality, your power, your divine insight is birthed out of, it's birthed out of your womb, not the physical aspect of it, but the spiritual portal, it is a portal. And you've got to learn to trust that. Um, women who are very in touch with this are very, very, very creative. I mean, you think like, how did I even think of this? But it's more because you're in tune with your womb. So that's very important um, in terms of re-acknowledging and getting in connection with your womb and, um, setting intentions for your womb. You can do this with affirmations. You can write your intention for your womb. I like to do this with affirmations with women who have gone through trauma. Some women have gone through trauma that they never even realized was trauma, right? 
some have been sexually abused, but because of the person who was sexually abusing them, they never considered it. They said, oh no, you know, we were just kind of, you know, things were just happening or we're just curious, but they've never realized that that was actually trauma, but your womb knows, right? So those are things that you need to do. And then you need to become comfortable with your sensuality. We have unfortunately tied so much of our sensuality to promiscuity that women no longer feel comfortable to be sensual. Because once you're a sensual, once you're a graceful, once you're that delicate, once you show that delicateness and that sexuality, oh, she's loose, she's promiscuous. And that again is dangerous because we have to be in touch with that. It's, this is your sacral chakra. You, said you have got to be in power of that. If you're having any sort of womb issues, you've got to balance your sacral chakra, your chakra. You've got to balance that. You've got to heal that womb because you cannot deny what you divinely are. It's okay however you choose to identify with your sexuality, but it remains that you have this womb and it is still a place where you can hone into your power, into your energy, into your purpose, into your creativity, and walk really in your power as a woman. Even if you, as a woman, and I'm using woman with womb, <laughs> with B, with B, not with without the B, as, as that. It's very important to do that. <laughs> have I left anything out? <laughs> No, you have covered everything. It's been so comprehensive. Thank you so much. Wow, yeah. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I will uh, comment in a minute, but I just want to take this time to invite everyone who's here with us if you have any questions, any thoughts, anything you want to follow up or share with us, please feel free to do that now. We will jump into that uh, after this uh, this share from from Mina. Yeah, wow, who it is so comprehensive and it's it, yeah, it's really really helpful for us to really understand how profound the womb is. You know, I really love the story of I didn't know that the wisdom being I mean in the Bible God being referred as wisdom. But I find that really powerful. So spiritually we understand that the womb is connected to what we call the holy mother portals, right? So the holy mother portals essentially, uh, it's a portal that leads to the primordial water where creation is done, creations of planets, creations of soul by the holy mother or the, yeah, the aspect of God that is the feminine, which is the mother, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, once I understood this for me, it was like, oh, so this is why, first of all, women are emotional because we are connected to primordial waters and we know water is emotions, you know, yes. why we're also so creative. Like a lot of women say, oh, I'm not creative because we associate creativity with like artistry, you know, like writing and music, but more all women are creative like just the way that we decorate our houses and all of that that's creativity and it's, it's because we have this holy mother portal so mm -hmm. yeah that's that's one thing that came up as you're sharing another thing that came up that I found interesting was um uh you mentioned how a lot of the issues that we start to see and notice happen in the in our like 
30s, late 20s. And that's interesting because ancestrally, right? So there is something called the taskmaster, right? And the taskmaster is, we could just call it like a guardian or an ancestral guardian who visits every human um, every 28 years. So the first time the taskmaster comes into your life, it's when you're 28, because that's when all the planets have returned to the exact place that they were when you were born. And so when the taskmaster comes, um, she or he, it's just that for me, I perceive it as a he. I don't know why, that's interesting. But yeah, (laughs) so when the taskmaster comes, Hmm. He comes to give you your ancestral task. And your ancestral task is essentially the things you are meant to heal for your ancestry. And this is why by age 28, we receive the, the first level of our ancestral miasma, which is first level of our ancestral trauma. So this is when these traumas begin to really be visible to us and we have to deal with them, Right. So the idea is you you get the first visit and if you deal with them, the taskmaster won't come. But if you don't deal with them, the taskmaster will come 28 years later and that's when you're like in your 50s. And Mm. this is interesting because when I learned this, I started to observe that a lot of women um, get like your, your, not all of them, but most of the time, the stage four cancer and all the aggressive diseases they do tend to happen in our later 40s 50s you know um Mm -hmm. but often you'd find that there were already symptoms from our like 30s that led eventually to like the disease now being terminal you know Mm -hmm. so it so it was interesting for me to see oh this ancestral knowledge is also very biological as you're explaining it or Mm -hmm. mechanical or scientific the way you're explaining it (laughs) <laughs> you know uh yeah so uh my question is a lot of these experiences all of these traumas they they we call this uh from um a quantum level we call this these energies they create what we call the sexual misery program right the sexual misery program is essentially we have this misery with our sexuality, our sexual energy, our sensuality, as you are saying, right? Mm. And so a lot of our pain as women is connected to our relationships with the masculine, right? Mm. Um, mm. And even that misery is often highlighted in our intimacy with the masculine, even if, for example, um, it's about like, um, of course, other than the period, that's like, it feels like it's you, a you thing. But mm. when it comes to like, when we are starting to be mothers, when we go through miscarriages, there is this counterpart that's part of that experience and that process. And mm. a lot of the traumas in our deep traumas, like the sexual trauma, it may be, of course, not necessarily always the masculine, but majority of the time it's the masculine, you know. So just navigating and healing this so that my question is, how do we really step into the divine goddess who feels safe with the masculine? What are the things that we can do? Because part of womb healing will require that we do some work around our intimacy with the masculine. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think the first thing is to to acknowledge again I'll go back to acknowledge because a lot of 
women who are sexually abused are sexually abused by somebody that they are familiar with, somebody that was supposed to have protected them, somebody mm -hmm. who was supposed to have been, you know, or somebody was a provider in some sort and they could not say no because if I say no, I will not be provided for. And remember I said, the womb is our first experience of security because we're protected and provided for. Now, if what we know to be protected and provided for is now being, we're experiencing it in a different way of the protector or the provider is sexually abusing us. This could have been maybe an uncle or a stepdad or a brother or, you know, a sponsor for school or something like that. If that person is who's supposed to be a protector or a provider, if they have violated you with the womb, the place where you most knew security, that is very confusing for one. It's the same thing where I, I'll, I'll quickly go back. It's the same thing why I don't believe that a girl's first gynecologist should be a man. Because you grow up telling a girl child, do not let anyone touch you like this. Do not any, let anyone do this to you. But suddenly he's got a white coat and then it's okay that he can do this. It's very confusing for a child because like, okay, so who can do this and who can't? And what they'll associate is as long as they come with a title, as long as they come with a, 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 a profession of some sort or hierarchy of some sort, then it's okay for me to be treated like that. So then you're putting yourself in a point of submission to violation of, of, your, of your understanding of protection and provision. So the first thing I think, which a lot of women have trouble with is acknowledging that the person who abused you was supposed to be your protector, was supposed to be the person who provided for you without condition. There's nothing wrong with having um, a, a, a love with, without an unconditional love. Like, I will only do this if you open your legs for me. That should not be what you attach provision and um, protection with. So understanding that and acknowledging, I think that's the most difficult part for a lot of women that I've worked with is that it's hard to acknowledge it because you then see that person differently. You then see the, your father differently. You then see your uncle or your guardian differently because now you see them as the person who invaded. You don't see them as like, oh, he did it because, you know, it is what it is. So that's the first thing. And then you have to make peace with it. You have to tell yourself because one of the things as well as women because of the denial of experiences for a long the history of being denied experiences we take it on ourselves like oh no I was just curious so it's okay that it happened or oh no um you know he didn't mean any harm or um I wanted it or I shouldn't have gone there I shouldn't have dressed this way I shouldn't have been there I shouldn't have done that I shouldn't have said this it was my fault we take it on and when the womb says, when we, what, what our womb says is that we are a danger to ourselves. So what happens is that we shut off. We're not going to perpetuate this. We're not going to recreate a line or lineage of people who are self-destructive, right? So everything, however we perceive situations, it will end up in the womb as women. It will end up in the womb. So the first thing is to acknowledge. The se second thing is to accept that it wasn't you it was that person they took advantage of you. 
right? And I think just doing that first part is tremendously healing. <laughs> this is the part where I fight with a lot of my clients. Like, no, I can't do that. Oh, you're, you're bringing up old wounds. And I said, if you weren't so triggered, then you would have healed. If you, if, if, if you were truly healed, you wouldn't be so triggered right now. And it's tough, but you've got to go back there. And that's the thing with the masculine energy. And sometimes even the absence of um, the masculine energy that you grew up in a very feminine um, energy with your family, maybe it was just your mom and your granny, et cetera, that you are almost repellent to masculine energy and that you find it hard to embrace it. And so in the, uh, we'll always look balanced in on a physical level and spiritual level, mental level, everything that we do is trying to get back to base homeostasis. So when we are um, a, growing up in an environment where there is an absent father or present a father who's just not present in whatever capacity, we're only surrounded by feminine energy. And we don't know how to balance that. We've not had the experience of balancing our sensuality, our sexuality as women with a present male present. This is why you you uh, a male energy. This is why you'll find that when we talk about, oh, she has daddy issues, is that there was never the, the learning of balance between masculine and feminine energy when we we're growing up. And so when you are now met with the masculine energy, you are either fully overtaken by it and this is uh, where we see promiscuity, or you are um, repellent to it, where you know your relationships don't last because you don't know how to balance it. So this is there's a lot of deep work that has to be done there. And <laughs> um, I, I think I don't want to speak for the people who are very particular in in energy healing um, because that's not my field. But I think. When, if that is kind of the background of where you grew up, I think you need to deal with someone who's an energy healer to help you to understand and to balance. Um, because just because you're a woman doesn't mean you don't have masculine energy with you as well, but to help you to learn to balance the two and respond healthily to the masculine energy as well. I don't know if I answered that. <laughs> No, you have, you have. Uh, I, I also see this also within my work where the first step you suggested is also so the most difficult to acknowledge that something has happened to me, uh, particularly when it, it happens in a place that we believe it was where our safety is at, where we were to be protected, you know, which is the home, particularly the home, or particularly with people that we do love, you know, and that, I love how you spoke about this confusion. I've, I've never thought about it, but it's true, the confusion around, like, the gynecologist who's a male, it, it's also, a mirror of that is also how you know, when when sexual violence trauma happens with people that we are related to in some way, there's that confusion that ends up being stored in the womb because there is the natural biological connection that may exist with that person. And so having to say this happens to me, sometimes it feels like you are invalidating that or connection, whether that's because they're your uncle or mm. a brother or, or 
even a husband, you know, like, so that, that confusion, a lot of women carry it here, our, the confusion and disappointment, but mostly shame because yes. we have to like create a new story when something like that happens to us. And that new story often is I must have contributed to this, I must have done something. So the shame that comes in and it becomes amplified because we don't know what to do with with that connection with this person. Mm. You know, it's, it's confusing. So yeah, the acknowledgement is really profound. The release that happens in the body and functioning from a duality perspective of this and this. I, I, I play that game with my clients that this can be true and this can also be true, right? So you saying this does not cancel this out, you know? So I really mm-hmm. love that. So we have a couple of comments and questions. So let's jump to them now. Um, let me, I don't know. Let me start with uh, YouTube, okay? Um, so here on YouTube, don't worry, I will read them for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oils of... Alkibulan, I really struggle to say this name all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So she's saying, is it possible to give birth naturally after having two C-sections? Yeah, two C-sections. They have been really cutting us queens. Yeah. So her question is, is it possible? And perhaps what might be done? Um, And since we're talking about like the birth process, I want to add another question on that so that you have two because it's okay. a question that I, I see uh, within my clients who who have experienced miscarriages, like a lot of miscarriages, but and they desire to have children and they're not able to. What else can you share and like for them to like the tools, healing tools, practices that can help them get to the point where they can? I mean, I know it's obviously much more <laughs> simple. <laughs> it's vast, but whatever. Yeah. You, you know, where they can start. Let's ask, where can they start? On top okay. of the question right. of oil. Well, let's yeah. start with um, the VBAC, uh, vaginal birth after cesarean. It's definitely possible. Absolutely possible. Um, you would have to work with um, someone who's very good, like a, either a doula, midwife, who's more holistic in their work. Um, and it's about strengthening your womb. It's about <laughs> trusting that you are capable of this because I was actually looking at a statistic um, some time ago, I'm sure it's higher now, that a majority of the women who go, I don't want to say the percentage because I don't remember it, but it was a majority of the women who give birth in a private hospital are going to end up having a cesarean. And you'd think like, oh, you know, maybe there's a birth complication, but it's actually more of your body can't do it. Again, we're going back to the narratives, no babies in distress, or you don't have this, you've got this and this, we have to have a cesarean, but there's a money incentive behind it, you know, when it comes to private hospitals. So a majority of the women who go to private hospitals for birth are actually ending up having cesareans, not because of a health issue, but narratives. So, um, when women who go through cesareans, not because of a an actual health concern or an emergency, but rather a coerced, this is where we talk about medical coercion, that are coerced into this procedure, 
they automatically their their reasoning is already being conformed to believe that my body cannot do it alone and somebody has to intervene to give birth for me to give birth to this child. So there has to be a lot of work with you learning to trust your body, learning to trust your womb, that it is very capable of growing this life and delivering it naturally through your cervix. It's very important. So that's a lot of deep work that you'll have to do there. Um, Strengthening your womb, I don't have it here, but one of the best, best herbs that you'll take for strengthening your womb, especially if you're postpartum, even during pregnancy, um, last trimester to prepare your womb for birth is red raspberry leaf. It's fantastic for the womb. This is the pregnant woman's herb, right? Um, It's also useful for miscarriages. So this is me going into miscarriages now. Um, But yes, so vaginal birth after after a cesarean is very possible. You just need to work with someone who's um, in that area who knows how to do this. And also, I'll be very firm with that doctor if you're having going to have it at a hospital or if you're going to have a home birth then obviously you'll be able to have the VBAC but if you're in a hospital then you're going to be very strong and advocate that I want to have a vaginal birth Um, but having done the work of healing your woman strengthening it um, and also the emotional work of reconnecting and trusting your woman again so that's very possible Um, in terms of miscarriages I've also talked about red raspberry it helps with um, strengthening the uterus. So if there's an issue of a weak uterus, and this could be from a history of fibroids, maybe you had to have an operation um, or growths of any nature, or if there's hormone imbalance issues, um, red raspberry is good at the physical aspect of strengthening and healing the womb. When it comes to the hormonal side, I would say if you've had multiple miscarriages, note the the term, first, second, or third, um, or the week, the week that you had, the number of weeks that you had um, the miscarriages. So for example, I'll give an example. The three miscarriages that I had were all between six to eight weeks. I never had a miscarriage before six weeks. I never had a miscarriage, obviously, after eight weeks. They were all before then. So that was very important for me to understand. I asked my doctors. There was no reason to say these things happen. I couldn't take that as just an answer because I needed to know why my body was giving in at this time. Then, for example, so first trimester, um, autoimmune disease is one of those things that can show up then. Hormonal, um, hormonal uh, imbalances, particularly with low progesterone. So if you're having first trimester miscarriages, one of the things that you definitely need to check is your progesterone levels. What do they look like? Because in the first trimester, you are producing progesterone. And as you approach the end of your first trimester, so um, the placenta starts to take over making progesterone. And if the threshold is too low from you making to the placenta taking over, that can result in the miscarriage. So those are some of the things that you need to know. When is it that you're having the recurring? If it's completely random, then would need to look at something else. Um, But if there is a pattern to the miscarriages, that should be where you start to look. Why is it happening? Second second trimester has probably got to do more with the cervix, um, but also underlying infections. So if you've had a history of UTIs, if you've had an... um, uh, a history of, you know, vaginal infections, sex STIs, 
they may have been dormant and then you get a flare up in the second trimester and that's when you can have a miscarriage. So it's very important to figure out the pattern um, of what's going on there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, um, so on the hormonal side, if there's, uh, so physical side, red raspberry is very good. On the hormonal side, there is chase tree berry, uh, otherwise known as Vitex as well. Um, that's really good for first trimester. If you've got hormonal imbalances, Vitex is the one that you can take in your first trimester to help carry on um, into the second because it helps. It doesn't have hormones. It doesn't contain hormones, but it does help to stimulate the glands that produce the progesterone and regulate estrogen for you. And that will help you transition well into a second trimester. And that's actually one of these ones. We have that as well as Harmony. That's our hormone support. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I saw you leaning there. That's our <laughs> hormone support. Um, yeah, so that's those are the two that I would say if first term are really good for helping with that. Mm, wow. Wow, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is so comprehensive. So comprehensive. Wow. Okay. So let me check this uh, question here. Tabitha is saying this is so, so, so delicious. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I so like it. Delicious. <laughs> So she's asking, I had my first child at 28. What will this have to do with the past master duties? Okay, so I guess this is for me. Yes. Well, it's interesting. Um, with most people at age 28, that's something always life-changing happens for most people. So that's the task, right? A shift either in career, having a baby, go into initiation, whatever it is. Like, but that year it's often very profound for most people. Mm. I think, yeah, let me just say most. Yeah, in case someone says nothing happened to me when I was 28, <laughs> Joy. <laughs> right, yeah. So, but um, I mean, automatically being a mother, you are already being give, given the, the task of, you know, continuing the lineage to mother this child who is coming through you. You know, we believe this, the children who've been coming are literally the return of the ancestors. So that's a very profound task that you are already given, right? So our tasks are not always within like a trauma pain. It can be that, I mean, yes, often the first level of miasma will be the trauma, but also it can also be, our mission in life as mothers, as in within our career, our higher purpose can also, it's also a task that the taskmaster will activate at 28. Mm. So yeah, you are on This track. is when woman yeah. wellness was born. <laughs> I don't know when yeah. that, that transformation <laughs> around 28 years. And that's when woman wellness was born. <laughs> wow, beautiful, right? You see? <laughs> I wonder just yeah. quickly, I'm, I'm curious. Have you come across in terms of astrology about the wounded healer? The Chiron. Uh, yeah. yeah. Chiron. Is that, has that anything to do with the taskmaster? Definitely in some way, because um, age 28 is about also the placement of the planets, you know, all of these elements in astrology, right? Mm -hmm. So at 28, all of them return 
to the moment of your entry on planet Earth, which means the frequency in which you enter the Earth and all the energies that these planets held is the same, right? Mm. And so the, the moment we ent enter into planet Earth, we, we move through not only receiving our gifts and blessings, we also receive also all the energies from yeah. our ancestra, from our soul experiences prior, right? So that means these energies are more active than they have ever mm. been by that age. So the energy in which your Chiron is holding, the wounded healer, mm. is very active during that time. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so some comments from um youtube um as a man this is faray as a man watching this i like to say thank you for sharing learning as i shall forever value the feminine and do my best to help with the healing of our pains oh thank I you say. thank you i appreciate <laughs> that it's very yeah. important and my my husband has you know i'm i'm grateful as well because he's very involved um with my own healing he was very involved and still continues to be very involved especially mm -hmm. where um i had to be in hospitals he was very involved in that because again you know <laughs> him having that masculine presence was able to get me some of the treatments or care that I may have not gotten to, even just an ear to hear that I wouldn't have had without, um, without my husband being there. So it's very helpful when men are also part of the healing um, to mm -hmm. understand my dad, we are only girls in my family and my dad has been very involved with my health when I was going through my issues because I now have a history of everything. <laughs> Thyroid, mm. PCOS, fibroids, miscarriage, adenomyosis, all of that. Um, wow. And he was very involved with that and very hands-on as well. And it's, it's very important that our men don't shy away from this and they mm. understand because in, in that as well, you know, when your daughters see you being involved, you're also helping them to understand the presence and the need for the masculine energy when it comes to their healing. Mm, yeah, wow, that is really <laughs> powerful and yes, potent for us, yeah. Akona is saying, wow, that was woo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've got so many practical tools to help me reconnect with my womb. Oh, that's so beautiful. Uh awesome <laughs> yeah so one last question and mm. then we're done uh, from Akona what are the causes of fibroids I know it's interesting because fibroids are so like um what is the word active within black women like it, mm. this, yeah mm. we are like at the top of like people who struggle with fibroids what have you come to understand about fibroids okay so with fibroids on a purely physical level, it's about hormone imbalance, particularly mm. estrogen dominance. So this is a, a situation where there's too much estrogen going on, excuse me, as compared to progesterone. So estrogen and progesterone are supposed to be in, in a good ratio. And what happens is sometimes estrogen just, uh, estrogen levels increase too much. And this can be because of diet. So a dietary intake, especially if we're eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of refined foods, a lot of GMOs, a lot of those have chemicals in there which are estrogen mimicking. So mm -hmm. what happens when we consume those things, 
um, especially fatty meats, because estrogen is a fat soluble hormone. It settles in our fat. So when we eat fatty meat, all the hormones of that, that animal that were shot into that animal to make it grow, all the antibiotics, um, the feed that that animal was given, all of that, all the estrogen mimicking chemicals are in its fat. When we consume that, it also settles into our fat. One of the places that women make estrogen is in our body fat. So we make it in our ovaries, we also make it in our fat. And that's why you'll hear when women are told they have fibroids, if they're overweight, they're told to lose weight because then you're reducing the estrogen load. Now, um, when, when we eat the estrogen mimicking or consume estrogen mimicking uh, chemicals through food, even bottled water, so plastic water, you will see now um, there's a lot of you know, BE, uh, BPA-free, all of that, because those were found to be estrogen-mimicking um, compounds. And an estrogen-mimicking compound, when we consume it, what happens is it's like taking the wrong key and putting it in a door. When you turn it, it's going to get stuck in there, right? Because now you have to kind of jiggle it out to take it out. And that's what, what happens. That key goes in there into your estrogen receptor site. It gets stuck in there. And now the natural estrogen that your body is making cannot enter. So it's blocked. And now that excess estrogen is just circulating in your body because the site it was supposed to enter um, is blocked by a synthetic form of estrogen. This is also hormonal contraceptives. They also contain synthetic estrogen that does the same thing. Um, and so then you are building up all that uh, uh, estrogen in your body. Then if you're also not having a good high fiber diet, if you're constipated, and when I mean constipated, if you don't go every day, you do have constipation. Um, if you eat three full meals a day and you're only going once, improve it, eat more fiber. <laughs> um, because when, if you're constipated, your liver is trying to break down all those excess hormones and then it sends it to your colon to be, Ex, ex, um, eliminated through a bowel movement. But if you don't, then you're having broken down estrogen metabolites reabsorbing into your body. And where do we see? That's where the acne comes. That's where it comes on the chest and in the back, that's even testosterone. When you see chest and back, that's also testosterone overload on the body because the body's not, the elimination points are clogged up essentially. And in your gut as well, why diet is important for, um, for fibroids is because in your gut, there is a particular bacteria that helps to break down estrogen and let, it, and let go of it. When you are eating refined foods, when you're eating GMOs, all the you know, not so great foods, that bacteria basically goes into a tantrum and then it doesn't produce what it needs to produce to escort all that estrogen out. And so that's how you end up with a lot of estrogen in your body and estrogen makes things grow. Estrogen, too much estrogen causes inflammation and this is where we get the fibroids growing. So estrogen, uh, fibroids, endometriosis, that's kind of the same pathway. Endometriosis is also maybe an underlying autoimmune condition there. Um, PCOS, it's mainly testosterone that is an overload. But with PCOS, the problem is when there's too much testosterone, um, testosterone gets also converted to estrogen through aromatase um, uh, and, and aromatase action. So then with PCOS, you end up with testosterone too much and then eventually too much estrogen. 
So everything goes a little haywire. So on a phys pure, purely physical level, that is the cause of estrogen. Now, when we go into the more historical, um, more spiritual side of things and all of that, it is coming from the misuse of black women's bodies not just we, we we look at it only in you know um, African Americans where they have high rates of fibroids, but also with black women here because we were still under a form of colonial rule, and our bodies were misused in so many ways: medical treatments, medical experiments, um, you know, colonial masters mistreating the bodies. The body wants to reduce progesterone, so this is where the low progesterone. If you have fibroids, you're going to have high progesterone in comparison and low progesterone because the body is going through so much trauma it lowers progesterone to deal with stress remember i said cortisol hormone and progesterone hormone they're made from the same building block so everything is diverted to make cortisol your stress hormone and that's lowering progesterone and estrogen just shoots off the chart again and that's how you know the stresses and traumas that we've experienced that is where it's manifesting in terms of losing progesterone level, the mother-making hormone. Wow. <laughs> You're so comprehensive. I love it so much. This is so helpful. Thank you so much, yeah. Wanga, because, wow, <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking, I need to replay this and listen and take notes. <laughs> I can't because... <laughs> so comprehensive and uh i really really love your approach of like being holistic and looking at this from different levels you know biologically emotionally physically um uh, psychologically and spiritually it's it's really powerful and profound and i think this is what we need right now in our world because we we are the generation that is existing with all these multi-dimensional, multi-faceted experiences. And so the idea mm -hmm. of, of just us thinking that we just go to the doctor, get a pill and it's all cleared out, that's not our experience because of mm -hmm. all these other elements that are part of this. So thank you so much. I, You've shared so much and I'm like, okay, so where do we get that? Where do we get the rose and whatnot, <laughs> the raspberry? You see, I don't even know what you're saying. But I, I, I had all of the, 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 the tools, the medicine, the herbs. So share with us how people can connect with you and um, what you've been showing us, your, your products and how oh, we can. Okay, us. yeah. So um, I run Woman Wellness Institute. I am the founder and um, I do consultations. So I do health consultations and it's an hour long. As you can see, I talk a lot, <laughs> but it's again, because I want to help you holistically. And so in a consultation, I'm dealing with everything before you even get to me, you are going to have to go through so many questionnaires before you get to me, because I want to know, basically, I want to know all about your business. <laughs> I want to know your past. I want to know your family history. I want to know what you're eating on a day-to-day -day basis. I want to know what your lifestyle looks like. I want to know your sexual history. I want to know your you know, everything. I want to know everything. So that when, when you tell me, Wanga, this is what I need help with. When you get to me, I've had a look at everything I've sent through and said, okay, this is how I can help her. Because two people, like I said in the beginning, can come with the same problem, but how I need to help them is very differently. 
Um, so that's what a consultation is about. It's a very holistic treatment, whether it's to treating fibroids, to treating fertility, um, thyroid issues. Even though I do say it's, it's particularly about the womb, but like I said, thyroid issues, very womb connected. So it's a very broad based, um, whatever health issue a woman is having, um, then I'm able to help them from diet to exercises, meditations, um, any type of movement that I need to do or whatever, you know, trauma dealing, self -sabotage, getting over self-sabotaging, helping you to understand your self-sabotaging um, uh, behaviors and deal with them, all of that. That's what I do in a consultation. And then there are women who feel like, well, thank you for giving me everything. Um, <laughs> I have it all here but I still want to work with you. So if you want to do the one-on-one -on -one coaching, then I have a few programs. I have um, Eating for Wellness, which is basically helping you get to learn how to eat for your body. I know we, there are a lot of diets there, but what can work for me might not work for you, even though we're both eating a plant-based diet, right? So everything has to be very tailor-made. All my programs, everything that I do is very tailor-made. So I have Lifestyle Reboot, Self-Mastery Program, a natural fertility program. This is something that I curated by myself, which I call the Stemwell Natural Fertility Protocol. Um, and this is particularly for women who want to conceive and we go through all of it um, from you know, the holistic aspect of fertility as well. Um, so there's that. So I do consultations, I do coaching. And because I'm also a herbal alchemist, <laughs> um, I also have, this is what you saw me talking about here. This is my brand. So that's Woman Wellness. We have a whole range from hormone support to vitality, like, you know, energy supplements um, for heavy bleeding, anemia, all of that. All of that is on the website. If you go to our website, which is womanwellness.com, woman with a B, remember, womanwellness.com, then you'll be able to find everything from booking consultations to coaching to products. Everything is on there. Yes. Wow. I love this. You <laughs> definitely have to go check out her website. If you didn't hear it, you can also go to my website under her picture. Uh, there is a link to that leads redirects to her website as well. Uh, so yeah, you definitely have to go check this out. My question is, do you, uh, what is it, ship <laughs> to other countries? <laughs> to yes, China? so if, okay. if you want, um, so on the website, you can only buy if you're in South Africa. But mm -hmm. if you want to, to buy and you're out of South Africa, then you can just drop us an email. And then when we have your your um, your location, then we can get the quote for you for international shipping. You're very welcome to buy. We do ship internationally to anywhere. You just need to write us an email. Then we can tell you how much your shipping cost is for anywhere else. Okay, <laughs> yes. great. Definitely Amazing. can send to Botswana. Actually, I think my very first sale my very first sale on the on the shop was actually to someone in Botswana <laughs> so oh, my first sale yeah. was an international sale <laughs> <laughs> amazing epic I love it thank you so much for this wisdom for these teachings that you've given us it's just really so comprehensive and so powerful I am going to be <laughs> grateful 
Sorry, I'm going to replay this and listen again. Uh, Tabitha is like, <laughs> I am on her website and she's in SA. Wow. <laughs> Joy, thank you for this. You're welcome, Tabitha. I am so excited. I hope you go check out and uh, book a consultation, buy some products. Yes, yeah. before I forget, um, all consultations are done online. So don't worry, you're not going to miss anything. I don't hold any in-person consultations. Everything is online. That's because I live in the middle of nowhere. I am a farm girl. <laughs> I wow. live deep, deep so that I can make this. I need to be in the farm. So uh, um, every consultation that I have is online. So you're not going to miss. You can, you can be anywhere in the world and we can have a consultation. I love it. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Wanga. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. So I wrote a little affirmation, a womb affirmation that I wanted to share. Should anyone feel like, well, where do I start? Yes, (laughs) yes. Of course, you know, doing the breathing, you want to center yourself, do your breathing techniques, you know, get in tune with yourself and everything. And then it says, I am of the divine. I am wise. Oh, okay. Yes, we can actually. Sorry, do okay. I was do you, ready you, to do it. <laughs> you can because you do it. I've seen you do it. You can lead the breathing exercise, and then I'll come in with the affirmation, and we can finish it off that way. Sorry, can you say that again? You can lead the breathing exercise first, and then I'll come in with the affirmation, and we can close it off like that. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> ha. Okay, so let's all close our eyes. And take a deep breath in and out. Releasing all the energies of the day, of the week. And allow yourself to drop into your womb right now to this sacred space that connects you to the primordial waters. As you soften, as you connect to your wilderness, your instinct, your wisdom. And take a deep breath as you're breathing. You're breathing in the Holy Mother's breath. So you're breathing from the womb and out. And prepare to repeat these affirmations. I am of the divine. I am of the divine. I am wise. I am wise. I am whole. I am whole. I acknowledge my feminine energy. I acknowledge my feminine energy. I acknowledge its source, my womb. I acknowledge the source of my womb. And from this sacred portal. I am from the sacred portal. I draw divine insight, creativity, and healing. I draw divine insight, creativity, and healing. Share. And so it is. 
Take one last deep breath in and out as you hold your hand in your womb. And thank you, the womb, thank you. Thank you, and thank you. Ashe. Thank you. That was so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Waga. Thank you, everyone who joined us. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, I was very excited about this. <laughs> like yes. I said, I you on Ikambi and I was like, I have to watch it. And then you reached out. I was like, ah, <laughs> same frequency. <laughs> no, so thank you this very was, much. yeah, this was really divine. And you are actually the last uh, conversation I'm having this season. So, you know, oh. we left it the juicy, <laughs> amazing thing for the last. So. <laughs> You are indeed a queen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for interacting and for sitting through this. I truly appreciate it. And I hope our paths cross over and over again. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. (laughs) We're done. I will see you next week for the last, last session. We're going to have a community call next week. Uh, So come and... Let's do a bit of a review of the year, a review of the season and whatever else is going to come through. So I will see you 